Now in his 31st year as an educator, Downey Unified Superintendent John Garcia reflects on what legacy mode means to him and how public schools can stay relevant in preparing students to thrive in our digital economy. A Downey High graduate, he's the first alum to take the helm of the district. Dr. Garcia's scholarly background prepared him with both an executive MBA and a doctorate in education, degrees that set the stage for the visionary action plan he's laid out to bridge classroom learning to industry across a continually evolving workforce. On this episode of Future Groove, Dr. Garcia highlights the importance of schools collaborating with business, government, and community groups and discusses how Downey models effective practices in college and career readiness. Dr. John Garcia, welcome to the Future Groove podcast. Thank you, Mr. Harris. We're so happy to have you as our guest today. And today I was hoping that we could talk a little about your vision for education and preparing students for high demand, high wage uh, careers. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about your story and really what led you into a career in education. Actually, I got into education quite by accident. Uh, My dad worked in the maintenance ranks in a school district. And when I was graduating in the early 90s during the recession, there were too many careers out there and what I was looking for. And he happened to have an off conversation with a principal who said, hey, ask him if he'd like to be a teacher. So I got into that classroom, was an elementary school teacher and just loved working with kids. I knew shortly thereafter that that was going to be my life's work. It was my passion. Decided that I wanted to get into leadership, the opportunity to positively influence the lives of more students, maybe even hundreds of students as a principal. Uh, was very attractive. And ultimately that turned into, hey, you know what? If I could influence the lives of a few hundred or a couple thousand, you know, what about more than that as a school district superintendent? So continued to to build in that direction, had the good fortune in my career to be an elementary school principal, a middle school principal, uh, and a high school principal, and then work in some district office positions where I oversaw schools. So I've had a really fortunate career, got a lot of different experiences. And it's really shaped the way I view what we need for our students moving forward, regardless of their age, whether they're elementary, middle or high school students. It's really shaped the viewpoint that I have on how we need to train them for the future. With the number of years that you have had in education and the number of different positions, and now that you see that there's really kind of another turnover in the education workforce with teachers retiring and, and new teachers coming in. What do you think are the critical elements in meeting the challenge, both locally in the Southern California as well as statewide? Yeah, I I think, John, as I look at it, there are really two things that significantly shaped my thinking in relationship to what we are doing in public education and how we're training students for the future. The first was in the early 2000s. I had the good fortune of having two classes in person with the great Peter Drucker. Before he retired, he was still teaching well into his 90s. And one of the things that Dr. Drucker said, oh, uh, 20 years ago or more, was that during their lifetimes, he talked about the shift from the agrarian society where students generally just followed in their parents' footsteps. And my father was a farmer. I became a a farmer. If my parents worked in manufacturing, then I went into 
So he talked about the fact that people now at that time would have two to three different careers throughout the course of their working lifetime. And how, as we move to a more industrialized and now a technological society, the length of career span is going to expand, right? So that really shifted. That was kind of the first seminal moment where I really started thinking, people are going to have two or three different careers in their lifetime? Boy, that's an interesting shift. And then a few years later, I read Thomas Friedman's The World is Flat. And he talks a lot about in there about the shrinking of the world through the internet, shrinking of, of, of making us more global everywhere. And so it really shifted to, you know, we in public education, we're not training students for specific skills. We're training them to have a certain subset of life and portable skills that will go through two or three different careers and that will also have to compete on a global scale. So we need to be very broad, but also very targeted in the opportunities that we give our students on what we're training them for. Because the other part of that statistic that I heard many years ago was that a vast majority of those careers did not exist at that time. I couldn't wrap my head around what that looked like. But then came the advent of the iPhone and then the social media and then apps all over the place, right? So things like app developer, all of the uh, things associated with smartphones, with the uh, integration of technology. And then it started to hit me, oh, that's what they meant by those jobs don't exist. So we have to live in a world where we're training kids for we don't know what in the future. You know, we're still training some doctors, some lawyers, um, those kind of professions, but we're also training kids for jobs that may not exist. So we have to be very targeted in the way that we teach them life skills, those 21st century critical thinking, collaboration, communication, creativity, uh, and quite frankly, citizenship ethics. Dr. Garcia, you're mentioning Peter Drucker reminded me that you have a number of advanced degrees and one of them is in business. How has that influenced your thinking with respect to education, that is sometimes a bit of a rare combination in education. I know that you've also been very, uh, very, very prominent in K-12 education, but also have a presence in, in higher education. Can you tell us a little bit more of that story in terms of how it's influenced uh, your thinking and leadership? John, when I was a principal, one of my wonderings was, how can we do better at connecting education to the business sector and the private sector uh, to more effectively prepare our kids for those jobs in the private sector. And so that led me on a path when I was doing my, uh, my doctoral program uh, at Claremont Graduate University. It led me on a path to pursue uh, an MBA as well out of the business school because as a public educator, I felt that it would help me better prepare and understand the language of business. Uh, and see how they view the world in the business sector. And so I pursued that, uh, that MBA to really, truly work at bridging that gap more effectively between the private sector and public education. And I really feel that's played out in my career through working to understand what does the business sector need and how can we effectively, as public educators, train our students. And that's the work we've gone about doing for the last 10 years in Downey Unified is how can we more effectively bridge that gap between public education and what the business sector needs with always an eye on, we want to make sure that our students and quite frankly, all students, regardless of boundaries, have opportunities to high wage, high potential opportunities to advance themselves and their families economically. 
Um, but it's really played out by working to understand and, and knowing what the business sector is looking for. Being an innovative risk taker in many areas, how do you see CTE, career technical education in the local context, as well as meeting economic challenges statewide? From an innovator's uh, perspective, your district seems to be doing a lot in this particular area and uh, doing things that don't seem to be entirely present in, in a lot of areas. Do you have some comments about that in terms of taking risks and innovating in this particular area? First of all, I appreciate those kind words. I, I think uh, our goal in our district and down at Unified is really just to, to meet the needs of our 22,000 students. So while we're not a mega district like an LA Unified or maybe some others, um, we're still a large district at over 22,000 in California. And so we want to we wanna make sure that we are the Cheesecake Factory. For those who are familiar with the Cheesecake Factory menu, what I mean by that is they have a menu that is multiple pages long. So what they're aiming to do is they're trying to look at the diverse tastes of their customers and meet the needs and have everything on the menu for somebody. As a school district, we have 22,000 students. Now, while that may not be 22,000 specific different needs, what we do know is that there's going to be a lot of them within that. So as educators, we have a responsibility to try to find that one thing for every student. And that's what drives me is how can we continue expanding our menu of options to engage effectively more students, to find that one thing that gets that kid to school every single day, that has them look forward to the day because we know when they have that one thing, it can carry the rest of their academics. It can carry their social emotional needs. It can create in them a strong sense of belonging because they have something they're passionate about, that they are surrounded by other students who have like interests and passion. And it creates, strengthens that sense of belonging and helps with their emotional well-being as well. So it's really just that constant drive to be better for our students today than we were yesterday, to provide more opportunities for them. And then we marry that with the business sector and the private sector. How can we create those opportunities that will now lead with those students following their passion and what they're interested in in our schools that will now lead them to an opportunity, whether in college or straight to the workforce, that they can earn a good living wage to provide for themselves and their families in the future. So that's really, I think, what drives our innovation in Downey Unified. It's, it's to constantly be better for our students and make sure that when they go out into the world, they can compete, not just in a local or regional context, but a state context, a national context, and even a global context. You know, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, if you will, to, to quote my Jim Collins, but it's something that we pursue with passion every single day. And in order to do that, I want to innovate, but I really do have to give credit to my board of education uh, because they have offered our staff and Downey Unified, me and, and all of the folks that do this work to innovate. They've given us a wide berth and a wide latitude to say, okay, we may not recognize this, but we trust you as professionals that you have our, our students' best interests and you're moving us in the right direction. And I think we've seen significant fruit from that over the years. You've mentioned state and, and national uh, challenges, and so I want to pivot there a little bit. As we've talked to various representatives in industry in, in past Future Groove podcast episodes, they've oftentimes 
identified um, talent identification and development in their particular industry sectors. At a state level, what are your thoughts about what California can do in in filling the demands, the industry demands uh, that are high wage, uh, but they are very high demand as far as the workforce pipeline. And it seems like in many industry sectors, the workforce pipeline is not exactly full. Yeah, I think again, it's the bridging of the it's the bridging of the relationship between the private sector and public education. So, you know, most students in our state, and I would assume most states as well, come through the public education ranks. So the closer those two entities, the private sector and what their needs are, and public education are working together, the more effectively we can continue to fill those positions that they need in the private sector. So whether it's pathways, uh, career pathways, whether it's internship opportunities, we have a very robust internship program in our school district for juniors and seniors in high school that reaches hundreds of kids, you know, per summer and gives them opportunities. You know, we continue to work on expanding that because bottom line is we understand that our kids will benefit from that. But quite frankly, the businesses that we are engaged in benefit from that as well. And I really have to give credit to our our CTE staff and Downey Unified for expanding that a couple of years ago to include Zoom internships, because now you've removed the geographical boundaries for our students to have opportunities all over the country, potentially even globally, to be quite honestly. I think one of our one of our our, our, our summer intern program reaches uh, across the Atlantic uh, into Europe. So now that you've removed those, you can create and go outside the local context and create a larger swath for not only our students, but for industry sectors beyond the region to be able to tap into student workforce and, and giving students those opportunities. It's really a symbiotic relationship between the private sector and between public education you know, to have those students engaged in that work and provide those internships. So I really think pathways, mentoring, internship opportunities, whether in person or virtually, are really, really critical to both sides, to public education and to the private sector. You mentioned Zoom and virtual um, opportunities for our students. And uh, if I can pivot just a little bit, uh, those opportunities were really put on the fast track because of the pandemic. And uh, if I can pivot to this question from your perspective as a superintendent in a fairly large district, how do we get youth in the pandemic to youth leading the state? What's your vision for that kind of recovery? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big one. I think we have to provide, we've got to provide a lot of supports, uh, John. I think that our students not being in person not having those socialization pieces, not having those opportunities to grow and mature. Uh, and quite frankly, we do a lot of mentoring in our schools. And I'm not even talking about just formal mentoring. We have a lot of role models uh, and inspirational folks in our schools that interact with students every single day and them not having access to that for more than a year, uh, almost, you know, almost two years in some cases, it, it really, we've really got a lot of repairing to do on the, uh, on the well-being front. And by that, I mean uh, the social, emotional well-being. Our students came back with great levels of anxiety, with uncertainty. You know, kids, 
uh, need reliability, predictability, and stability. They, they need those three things. We provide that minimum of 180 days a year in our schools in Downey Unified. And without that missing for, or without that for a year and a half, some two years in some cases, uh, our students really came back with needs. And the bottom line is, if they're not in a good place emotionally, then they will not be in a good place academically. So tackling those two things, quite frankly, we anticipate will probably take the next three to five years, but we know we can get it back. We know post-pandemic, by hard work, fortunately, the state and the federal governments have given us resources to be able to further address those needs. But for the next three to five years, we have to be extra focused and undoing a lot of those things that were done, those setbacks for students during the pandemic. And we're probably in year one and a half, maybe of that. So we've got a few more years to go. And we know that if we can get them there, that they will be the next generation of focused and effective leaders in the state of California uh, and, and in our nation. Dr. Garcia, you are a graduate of Downey Unified, the district that you're now superintendent in. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll tell you, John, it's, it's been a great honor for me to be the superintendent in Downey Unified. Just as a kind of point of interest, I was completely dumbfounded by my good fortune. I'm the fourth superintendent in our school district since 1970. One of the, the, the secret sauces, if you, if you will, we have in Downing Unified is stability. It's a big deal at our Board of Education level. I'm the fourth superintendent since 1970. So having had the opportunity to come back to be the superintendent of Downing Unified, I feel so fortunate that it intersected with my career trajectory because I never worked in the district before being superintendent. So coming back to my hometown, and being able to do that has been an incredible honor. And, and, and honestly speaking, John, I, I do want to share, you know, maybe as an aside, about 30% of the folks uh, in our workforce either live in Downey or went to Downey schools just like me. And we really feel like that's a part of why we have a secret sauce that really helps us continue to move the needle because there's such a personal investment by so many of our staff because they're connected to the district by like me, either having gone there or living in the community and making sure they want strong, viable public schools continuing to grow and be better. So that's a big deal. There are a lot of us in that particular position. But the other part of that, John, just on a personal aspect is, as I was coming into Downey Unified, coming back, back home to Downey Unified 10 years ago or so, I really looked at what are the possibilities and what I knew and understood was that there was a huge amount of potential to be a player on a regional level, on a state level, on a national level, uh, and potentially even a global level because of the level of commitment involved with people within the organization. The district has a culture of people coming back who grew up in the community, of people moving to the community and living there and being a part of the schools and having strong community support. So between the stability between the strong level of community support uh, and quite frankly, you know, working effectively because we run pretty lean in a lot of different areas, uh, working effectively, utilizing our dollars to leverage those into programs that would train our students to go out into the world and be able to compete with anybody from anywhere at any time. And that's a big deal. But I think there's a lot of things that just line up for us that we're very fortunate about. And again, being in my hometown district and being able to lead that 
what I do is not just my profession every day. It's not just my work. I just don't, you know, come in and, and, and you know, do as a, a part of my job, if you will. Not that I wasn't committed to my other uh, districts that I worked in, but this has a personal component to me, which drives me even more. And I know probably, you know, maybe to their chagrin, I don't know, makes me drive our staff even more because of the personal connection I feel to provide for that next generation of students in Downey Unified School District, really an homage to the, what our district did for me as a child going out into the world and providing a, a career opportunity that, that I just love every day. On any given campus, on any given site, you have a whole host of adults that, that show up to support students and to support them in reaching and pursuing their, their dreams. Can you tell us a little bit of that wide array of, of staff that are working hard every day to help students find their future groove and to uh, have a really meaningful career? Yeah, I, you know, and I thank you for bringing that up, John, and especially talking about it in the context of staff, because sometimes we focus on the teaching staff, if you will, um, but we are so incredibly fortunate in Downey Unified to have the amazing commitment of our classified staff uh, and even our management staff, whether they come from the classified or certificated ranks and how they have moved uh, into leadership positions. But 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 really, when we talk about our 30% of folks, you know, having grown up in Downey or live in Downey, we're talking about our entire staff and the contributions of our classified staff, our instructional assistants, our clerical uh, staff, our operations staff, and making sure that our facilities are clean uh, and in great shape for students. Uh, our maintenance staff, even at the district level, our maintenance staff, so many of those folks are Downey people having grown up there and live there, that it really is an all-in from every angle. And the pride that every one of our staff members, classified, certificated, uh, management, regardless of what their particular role is, the pride that every one of those takes in what we provide for our students every day, it really shines through on how we're moving our students forward. There is seems to be an unusual, very, very significant connection between the community the support for the school district, and actually the connection that people feel within the community to the school district and what's happening there. Can you comment on that a little bit, that sort of secret sauce winning formula? You know, when I, when I go out and I talk publicly, there's really uh, two things. In addition to the incredible commitment that we have from our staff uh, within our schools, there are two other pieces that are really key components to what we do. Number one is the leadership and support we get from our Board of Education. The fact that they allow us to continue to innovate, that part is key, but, but, but really all of that is underpinned by the level of support and confidence that we get from our Downey Unified community. Uh, we reach out into some other areas of uh, uh, other cities as well but most of our district falls within the Downey community and the Downey Unified community and the support that we get is absolutely second to none. Uh, they believe in us, they encourage us, they support us, they continue to challenge us to be the best that we can be for our students. We know that many people move to, just like my parents did in 1973, and live 
in the city of Downey or within Downey Unified Boundaries because of who we are and what we do and the value that we bring. We do not take that for granted at any point, at any time. And we make sure that we want to honor the confidence that they give to us and the support they provide us every single day. So as we all know, these um, efforts in supporting students and pursuing their dreams are, are collaborative ones with uh, many organizations. One of the really strong partnerships is with Cerritos College, a local community college that uh, supports the area of Downey Unified. Can you comment a little bit on the working relationship and the benefits that we've had in that positive working relationship with Cerritos College? Yeah, thanks for asking that, John, because it wouldn't be, wouldn't be uh, the right thing to do if we did not give absolute props to our partners at Cerritos College uh, and the relationship that we have with them to continue to develop our programs. President Fierro uh, and his staff, Nick Real, Colleen McKinley, the folks that we work with at Cerritos College are true partners in what we do. And as an example of that, you know, we're just able to build our new welding program in collaboration with Cerritos College and really work together to make sure that when our students transition to their program to get that full certification, that it is seamless, that they know what to do, they know what to expect, we know what to make sure and prepare our students for as they go into and matriculate into Cerritos College. So again, I don't know that I can give enough credit to our partners at Cerritos College, the collaborative relationship that we have with them, and that when there are challenges, we look at them as opportunities to grow together and to fix things for the betterment of our students. Their commitment to students, uh, I would say, rivals our commitment to students. So uh, I, and we are just really fortunate to have great partners in Cerritos College. We oftentimes think about students that are in a particular district as that district's responsibility but there are professional responsibilities that go beyond that in many people's mind. I'd like it if you could comment a little bit on the whole attitude that I've seen in your leadership of all of the students in California are our responsibility, maybe as it relates to district boundaries. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, John, because I think about this and, you know, remember Downey is my my hometown and I'm my top priority is always down to unified, but as an educator, you know, I think all of us have larger responsibilities to continue to support each other uh, up and down throughout the state of California. And quite frankly, even in, uh, even, you know, throughout the country. And so, you know, boundaries are things that we have created to define organizations, but I think our hope in what we do in down unified is that we are a place where people can look to and understand our demographics in Southeast Los Angeles County and what it is that we're working with. Almost 70% of our students come from poverty, but, but to be a place where people look at and go, wait a minute, they're doing that there. I'll bet we could do that in our district. Or when the state of California gets questions is, hey, who's doing this really well? Who would you like us to go see that, that, that we would, you know, we would see a good solid program that's really doing great things for kids. And that the state of California says, you need to go to Downey Unified School District. Uh, and that our neighbors know Downey Unified School District is a place where you can look to toward innovation and to see what they're doing for students who come from traditionally underserved background. Again, I'm one of those. My dad never finished high school. He dropped out after the 10th grade to go to work. 
My mom never went to college. So I'm a first generation college student. So, you know, to, to be a place where, yes, we have our district boundaries, but to be a place that can be uh, an example as to how good things can happen and what good quality programs that are churning out positive results for students look like, uh, that's really a bigger part of our goal as well. What is finding a future groove in the next three to five years look for Dr. John Garcia? Oh, that's a good question, John. I'm in my 31st year in public education. I'm on the downside of my career. I've had 10 great years in Downey Unified. Uh, one of the things that I worked very hard to teach you know, my own children was you got to finish strong. Uh, whatever it is, you got to finish strong. We are on the precipice of passing a, a general obligation bond for our facilities. If we can get that over the hump in the next couple of weeks or so, the idea is to have completely modernized our facilities in about the last 15 to 20 years or so to make sure that everything is situated and that our students have 21st century facilities to go along with the careers that are out there. Uh, and our students have the best facilities to be able to do that. I know that's a big deal for me, but it's also making sure that we continue to innovate. And whenever I do ride off into the sunset uh, toward retirement, that I leave a culture that continues to want to innovate, that continues to want to push the envelope and provide more opportunities for our students. So I think that's, I think that's it, John. I guess in, in, a, in a word, I'm, I'm kind of in legacy mode at this point, really looking toward, okay, what, what's going to be left here in a few years when I, you know, when I ride off into the sunset and decide to travel full time? Well, Dr. Garcia, we're so thankful that we had a few minutes with you today to explore uh, some of these really important topics, important topics for our students as they pursue and look for their future grooves, something that they uh, are passionate about, that they dream about, uh, sometime making a contribution to the betterment of our society. And we really appreciate your work uh, in this effort and in being with our program today. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Future Groove podcast. You can find the show notes for this and other episodes on the Future Groove website by connecting to futuregroove.com. You'll also find links to organizations and resources referenced in today's conversation. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us. Our email address is john at futuregroove.com. We are especially grateful for our executive producer, Kelly Cooper, and our pre- and post-production engineer and studio master, Nicholas Chamberlain, at Every Word Media. Until next time, I'm John Harris wishing you all the best in finding your future groove.